0: Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Dr. Brittany Howell, board-certified vascular surgeon and owner of a med spa in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Okay,
1: welcome everybody. This is Alex Tiersch, Medical Spa Insider, and uh, we are continuing our conversation today about... Semiglutide. glutide semi right? So that's how you pronounce it. And I've heard of many different ways. I've actually heard of another way to pronounce this. Some magnitude. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. Um, but, um, also known by its brand name, Mozempic and Wegovy, I believe is what it's called. And there's this has been a huge topic for us. We've discussed it many times. We've written some articles about it, and we're going to continue on to discuss it today with the with someone who is very much, um, empowered and, um, qualified to talk about this, Dr. Brittany Howell out of Morph Med Spa. And she is on the M Spa hotline. We're going to get into, um, maybe a little bit of a, not necessarily a different take, but just kind of a, um, um, a different method of going about this. And it's, there's, you know, I've spent some time, um, Dr. How, looking at this issue um, I kind of wish I hadn't started because it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of piqued my curiosity. And now it's like all I can look at um, because there's so many different viewpoints. There's different statements from the FDA. There's there's obviously the the current lawsuit that's, that's been filed. Then there's also a variety of statements from pharmaceutical associations and, and boards of pharmacy as well. Um, so uh, Dr. Howell, let's you know, let's kind of get into it. I, I, I do uh, want to give you a chance to quickly introduce yourself and, and let us know where you are and kind of how you're qualified to talk about this. We'll definitely get into some of your background as well.
2: Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about this. Um, As you said, my name is Brittany Howell. I am a board certified vascular surgeon. So I did a full residency training in general surgery where I did extensive weight loss surgery, which was really exciting to learn about the metabolism of weight loss there, followed by a vascular surgery training at Georgetown University. And I worked in a private practice with vascular surgeons doing major vascular surgery for five years. Mm -hmm. And I've been the proud owner of a med spa in Ridgefield, Connecticut for the last almost two years.
1: That's awesome. And you do also practice with your husband, which I throw out there only because I'm seeing more and more in this industry. So many people who do it's usually, you know, it's usually female um, founders who practice with their husbands. Um, but how's that going for you? Cause I'm, I've always yeah. wondered what would happen if I opened a business with my wife, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, so it's been great. It's definitely fun. It also has its challenges. And one of those challenges is boundaries. You know, we could talk about (laughs) the business all day long, and we need to keep some tight boundaries around that. But I think over the last two years, we've really settled into our roles, whereas I'm more of the visionary role, although we're both surgeons, he is more of the integrator role. So we're really settling into that in year two.
1: (laughs) yeah i was gonna say he, he he's a surgeon as well and i'm telling you we should do at some point we should do like a like a meeting like a conference of all um <laughs> married uh med spa owners because it seems to be, be a, there seems to be a lot of you out there so um what i i did take a look at you know and and, and we met at uh, the boot camp a uh, boot camp back in boston i believe um yes. and i do remember that clearly and um one of since then obviously the the um and by the way do you pronounce it semi-glutide or semaglutide or or something else
2: i i say semaglutide
1: semaglutide, semaglutide. yes okay yeah i've heard that it did, did someone else said no that's not right so i don't know <laughs> Um, so, no now, yeah, we're going to use your pronunciation for this one, just because it kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Okay. Um, tell tell me a little bit about your practice right now, and in how long. Obviously, you've got a history in um, surgical weight loss, and you've gone into you, you. So, you know a lot about it. You've been doing it for a long time, which I think is 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 very um, helpful for our conversation. Tell me about your pr- your practice right now. How much are you doing of this, and, and how did you get into it in the first place?
2: Sure. So I have to say, I'm a reluctant participant in the weight loss industry. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a huge industry, not just in healthcare, not just in the United States, but in the world. And I've always had a little bit of friction with it, honestly. And a lot of that has to do with the marketing of it Mm -hmm. Um, at this point medical weight loss is the biggest focus of our medical spa and it's quite frankly because that's what the majority of our community is really looking for and so they're looking for oftentimes this outward aesthetic result but we get to take that desire and utilize some real health promoting tactics Mm
1: -hmm. to
2: help them get there Mm
1: -hmm. so you say the so um has it always been that way that the majority of your practices is, is, is weight loss, weight management, or is that kind of a new thing that's come along with some of these new these new drugs?
2: Really, since January is when it's been the primary focus, mm-hmm. and again, it's really been the primary focus because that's what the market has driven. Sure. Sure. Um, but prior prior to that hour, Metra was really body focused as opposed to a lot are really facial aesthetics focused. Mm-hmm. So a lot of body sculpting. I am again, a vascular surgeon. So varicose vein works, spider veins. Um, but as we've really moved into more personalized medicine, uh, in addition to the aesthetics, the weight loss has really become a primary focus.
1: Yeah, I've, there's so many um and it's usually physicians it's not always of course there's always there's always others out there but physicians have i've seen quite a few of them and talked to quite a few of them who have gone down a similar path opened med spas and really because they've been involved in um so maybe something in their in their former practice they've really they've really gravitated towards the medical weight loss side and the demand as you mentioned is so huge for it um it's been you know there's so many issues that that that, that come up with it we've 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 certainly talked about them um how are you feeling in general about 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 this whole thing i mean it's it's you said you were reluctant to to come into it at first i'm curious to kind of explore that a little bit and, and how are you feeling now about it
2: Sure. So I think I was reluctant initially, again, because oftentimes the discussion of weight gain and weight loss in the media seems so negative. And it also, there's certainly bias in the world and, and healthcare is no exception. So I didn't want to be caught up in that. I also didn't want to get caught up in sort of the gimmicky schemes like cleanses and quite honestly, even calorie counting because a real sustainable weight loss journey is about so much more of that. And again, I think that's what surgical weight loss has really taught us. Surgical weight loss really gave us the information that we needed to create these super effective medications that everyone's talking about now. So as they got more and more attention and as patients were asking for them, it was just an obvious way to help people really get what they wanted and do it with some integrity and know-how.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, Obviously there's a lot that goes into this issue but that's the to me is the biggest one is if you're doing it responsibly right if you're doing yes. it with with integrity um and I think it's fantastic um you know it's it's because there's no question that this industry aesthetics in and of itself is very focused on, I mean, it's not the focus is not the right word, but one of the true um, benefits and the things that are fulfilling to entrepreneurs is that you do get to help people and they transform them in the way they feel about themselves um, through, I, up to now, it's been kind of you know skin health, skincare, wrinkles, body shaping, things like that. This though, takes it to a whole nother level because you really do get to help people. I imagine some of the things you've seen have been transformative, um, not only to them but also to yourself and how you feel about it. and I think that's just that's got to be very fulfilling.
2: It absolutely is. It's such a journey, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, but when I'm working with a patient who's ultimate goal is weight loss. I work with them for no fewer than six months. And it is really a transformative journey. And it's one that encompasses so many aspects of their life, from their romantic relationship to how they parent their children to how they perform at work, never mind just simply getting dressed in the morning. So it really touches every part of their lives. And it's really an opportunity to get to know them really deeply.
1: Yeah, and 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 you have an interesting perspective, I think, because you've done surgical um, um, weight loss, and you have to just kind of tell me what this. Are you talking about kind of the 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 bariatric or whatever the the? the you tell me what it's called, because I'll screw you. Up. Got it. Yeah,
2: so I think right, our sort of lexicon has changed around it. So it used to be that we absolutely called it bariatric surgery, and right. when I was a surgery resident at NYU, that premier surgery at that time was the lap band surgery. Um, So sort of the perennial surgeries are the RUIN-Y surgeries, the bypass surgeries. Um, Also, there are the sleeve gastrectomies. Right. There are lots of variations in between, but those surgeries really helped us understand that absolutely they were effective in weight loss. But as patients were being cured of things like diabetes, we started to understand that they were really effective metabolically also.
1: Yeah, and that was, I mean, one of the things, and, and we're going to get into, obviously, the compounding issue and, 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 and the manufacturers and all that in a
2: second. Or a 10% weight loss that there was no question that surgical weight loss was more effective, especially when someone has a massive weight loss goal. But even as we started getting to 15% weight loss and now with the medications that are pending FDA approval for weight loss and ones that are even down the pipeline and are not quite hit market, when we're talking about 20%, 30%, again that is challenging a sort of surgical weight loss result and so everything not just weight loss is moving towards being less invasive and taking what our body can do naturally and just augmenting it as opposed to adding something that the body never had and so these medications are incredibly effective in that way and i can see that surgical weight loss even right now is becoming less popular i've got friends in surgical weight loss who also do medical weight loss, whereas with the other medications on the market, that was never a consideration.
1: So this is a, a relatively new thing that surgeons are getting into the actual me, the medication weight loss. So that's interesting. It's yes. like kind of a mini mini turf war going on there, but probably not even a turf war because I feel like the medication side, if it's as effective, is, is generally going to be preferred. People don't
2: want to go Get surgery, if they absolutely absolutely. And a phrase that we use in surgery is that you don't want to burn a bridge. So, if you're a weight loss surgeon and that is something that you have in your toolkit, you can still take care of patients who want to start with medication, they can start to have their journey that way, and then surgery is still an option down the line. And we don't burn a bridge, it's always still a possibility.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit. I mean, there's. I, I want to get back to um, a little bit later on. I, I, I know you, you you mentioned your kind of six month program, which I think is important to talk about for folks who are on um, semaglutide um, because they um, because it is. Uh, there's obviously so much more than just the weight loss, and there's there's the the things that happen to the body when when you're going through this. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the. Kind of the the drug itself and um and then we can get into some of the the, the compounding issues that you ha- had raised and some of those things because so it's, it's really interesting so and you mentioned using the body's natural um kind of self to to, to help with the process talk about how does that happen with this particular drug because i know some magnetite is 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 a naturally forming or it's formed in the body, or it, it does something with something. Talk about what it does, and 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 kind of how that 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 leads into to your positions in the situations that you.
2: Absolutely. So the brand name medications that people will know are Ozempic and right. Wegovi. Govi. and the trade name is for semaglutide which is that name we keep tossing back and forth so semaglutide is mimicking a natural peptide or hormone in the body called glp1 so these medications are acting on the receptor as if they are glp1 And GLP-1 does a myriad of things, but one of the things that it allows the body to do is optimize the way it utilizes insulin. Okay. And insulin is sort of most notably talked about as the hormone that when it goes awry causes diabetes. But when it comes to sort of a greater story of metabolism and specifically weight loss, one of the things that insulin does is when the body cannot access it very well, it takes your energy and it stores it as fat. So GLP-1 is one of those hormones that can minimize that process so that we're utilizing energy more efficiently and your energy is less likely to be stored as fat.
1: Gotcha. And and it goes without saying that I, I know all of this forward and backwards was just testing you to make sure that you know it.
2: <laughs> of course, no big deal <laughs>
1: um, no, um but so first of all nice no, so you can probably tell in my questions and and uh, that I don't know any of this, but I think this is fascinating so the um and then w- what's the interaction though that w- when it goes comes to um the hunger and, and, and it kind of the appetite, I don't want to use the word suppression, but the appetite control, how does that work there?
2: Yeah. So what this medication does and is also part of the natural metabolism is that it actually changes the way your stomach functions mechanically. So when you eat something and it goes through your esophagus and it lands in your stomach, your stomach actually is a mechanical churn to break it down. So when that receptor is activated, that process slows down. Mm -hmm. So you're actively working on whatever food you eat for longer, which makes you satisfied for longer and therefore makes you hungry less often.
1: Gotcha. And that is, they can make that specifically for like chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) I would love that.
2: (laughs) Exactly. But you kind of are bringing up the third way that it works, which is that it actually changes the brain gut connection. Because cravings are a completely natural part of being a human. And I would even say emotional eating that we eat when we're happy, sad, bored, celebrating. So it really changes the relationship that you have with food. So that is the biggest feedback that I get from patients is that that food noise, that food chatter goes away, that you are less passionate about the chocolate chip cookie in the future, because you're more likely to eat for a physical hunger, as opposed to satisfying an emotional need in the future.
1: I don't know how I feel about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it is a human behavior. Absolutely. But I will say for those who struggle with it, not just have it as again, a part of a normal day, for those who struggle with it and feel like they can't control that as much, it's really liberating that that chatter and constant thought is gone.
1: Oh my God! It must. It's it's like I said. It's it's transformative and life changing. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you've as you've kind of seen this issue, and I call it an issue. I mean, it's it's the the, the these medications have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, use in treating um people with diabetes has been well documented that was one of the questions i originally had for someone was you know i feel like there's another shoe to drop on this like it seems like it's too good to be true but um everyone i've spoken to has said that you know this has been studied for a long time it's not like it's a a new drug um but everything has kind of been accelerated once the fda clearance for weight loss was approved and it it was thrust into the um you know the public consciousness particularly by celebrities and influencers and all that kind of thing um what i mean talk about how you've got you you've been obviously involved in 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 weight loss for a lot longer how's this all made you feel seeing this kind of blow up and it's become a big part of your practice and, and 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 how does that influence kind of what you do moving forward
2: sure so social media is a double-edged sword, right? You know, at this point media is mostly social media. That is how so many people get their news and that is how so many people are learning about these medications. So it's really been a conversation starter. You know, there are actually very few celebrities who have actually come out and been public about their use mm-hmm. of these medications and the rest of the big name celebrities, it's really hearsay or conjecture. So we have to be really careful. (laughs) But as you said, when we've watched these people transform before our eyes, at the very least, it started some conversations. And so when we hear misinformation, quite frankly, then I take it as an opportunity to correct that or to use Bethany Frankel is actually a great example of someone who has not Said that she's used the medication, but she's had really strong feelings about it, and so it's really a fun way to re-educate someone and take her video and then actually give the counter arguments and dare I say, correct her and actually educate people that way. So I see it as a great opportunity, but it is a little bit frustrating because there's so much misinformation out there that people can choose poorly based on them.
1: Yeah, I actually saw. Um, I'm a big I'm a big NBA basketball fan. And Charles Barkley was talking about it a while back, and he's someone who's struggled with his weight for a long time, and, and he seems to be doing doing great. That um, yep. it does have to be frustrating um, to kind of see. Well, what's I mean when it comes to that sort of thing. What's one of the things that you want to, like, what do you want people to know about this? I know there's probably a whole list of them and we don't have time to get into all of it, but I'm curious, what's kind of uh, the number one thing?
2: Ooh, the number one thing. I might sneak a couple in, Number, but I think we've talked about one. (laughs) We've talked about one, which is that it's not just an appetite suppressant. Okay. That has been one of the biggest ideas out there. That's not entirely true because it does do other things. And it's quite powerful in its treatment of metabolism, which of course is why it was ever created in that treatment of diabetes. And we can't also forget that brain gut connection because that's incredibly important. And to see it get reduced to just having people eat less is really taking away a lot of the power of the medication. I will say probably the other really big one is that if you stop the medication, that you are going to gain back the weight that you lost plus more. There is another notable celebrity who has shared her experience, Rebel Wilson. But I think in her story specifically, what doesn't get promoted out there as part of it is that she has also talked about her own personal struggles with disordered eating, Mm -hmm. namely binge eating disorder. And these medications are not ideal for someone with a diagnosis like that, because that behavior really requires more than something that this medication can address. And so to gain back the weight plus more is certainly not typical, although it was her experience. There were mitigating factors as to why that happened to her.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that we could. Um, unpack that I do want to get into though the so as this has and and I appreciate you saying all that because I mean we have you know it's a, it's a topic of conversation in my household and, and amongst a lot of different people that I know and and of course the things that most people hear are those stories they hear the stories yes. of, they don't hear they're not going to necessarily tune into our podcast or read you know the articles that we're reading about other folks like you are putting out there because it's just it's just not there it's not possible really for them to get that far um what um but one of the things that has happened is because the 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 medication has become so popular we've kind of come into this this kind of strange phase where it's almost too popular and and i don't want to say that because i don't think that's necessarily true but it's so popular that it's become difficult for at least the stories are it's difficult for folks to get and there's was originally when we first got on this and one of my first conversations about it was you know folks can't folks who are diabetics and can't get it um are suffering and there was that um issue and then subsequent to that it's just been this kind of you know flood of news about folks who are who are either using it um you know on, in an unhealthy way there's counterfeit products there's also those stuff. Um, yeah. And then we get into the compounding issues and everything. So I want to get into that. What's just kind of your your take on all? That? You see this how these things develop in the news. Um, what do you think about all this stuff as as, as a sure.
2: So I think two things. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, semaglutide comes in two brand names right now, right. and initially it was Ozempic. Right. which is FDA indicated for the treatment of diabetes. Right. And then four years later, it was WeGov, which is FDA indicated for weight loss. Right. So towards the end of 2022, both medications were in short supply. And it was because that demand really started increasing before the pharmaceutical company Nordus was ready for it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really started hearing that patients with diabetes who were taking Ozempic could not get access to it. And that was partially true at that time. It at least made it challenging. Doses were getting delayed. Medications were being changed. Prescriptions were being changed. And that was a challenge towards the end of 2022. And that is actually what opened the door to compounding pharmacies, because the FDA says you can go to a compounding pharmacy or compounding pharmacies can duplicate a medication when it's no longer available Mm -hmm. or when the way you need it is not available. For example, if there is an allergen in the medication that makes it impossible for you to take they can attempt to recreate that medication without the allergen. So that sort of opened the door to the compounding. But I think it's interesting to think about another challenge with that, which is really weight bias, because I often hear this conversation out there that patients with diabetes deserve this medication in a way that people who just want to lose weight don't. Right. And both of these are medical conditions. Both of these deserve treatment and neither is more important or greater than the other. And so I think there's a really there's a bigger conversation around that in the way we think about it.
1: Right. No, that that that's interesting and a good point. Is it, So is there because I just was actually on the FDA website and it is still listed as a shortage, both. Um, um, both named bad drugs are, are. Are you finding through through your conversations and through your experience that that there that folks who have whether it's diabetes or other conditions, and I know what you're, I get what you're saying about both conditions being you know equally important to deal with. Are are, are you are, are you finding that folks are having trouble getting the medication if they are diabetics and need it, or is that actually an issue, or is that kind of blown up on the, the media?
2: So it really was an issue towards the end of 2022. Right now, it's actually the reverse. Ozempic, although yes, according to the FDA, it is still in short supply. But in general, at this point, patients who have prescriptions for Ozempic can go to their neighborhood pharmacy with an expectation to pick up that prescription without delay. It's actually the patients who have prescriptions for Vigovi.
1: Hey everyone, let me take a quick second to share something really interesting for your business. Did you know that a staggering 74% of consumers shop on their phones while watching TV at night? That's like 7 out of 10 of your patients. But the real eye-opener here is that less than 1 out of 10 med spas actually sell their products online. Can you imagine the untapped potential of giving your patients the convenience to purchase treatments, services, or skincare right from the comfort of their own homes through your very own branded app? That's where RepeatMD comes in. RepeatMD is the fastest-growing software in the medical aesthetics industry, and for good reason. RepeatMD is designed by e-commerce experts who have worked with renowned brands like Target, Nordstrom, and Neiman Marcus, and they'll build your practice its own mobile rewards and shopping app. Clients love RepeatMD, and patients love the experience RepeatMD provides. RepeatMD rewards patients for spending more, encourages them to come back more often, and helps them discover treatments they'll absolutely love. On top of that, your practice can sell memberships and offer financing for services all through your very own app designed and managed by the experts at RepeatMD. The bottom line is that RepeatMD enhances the entire patient experience while boosting your practice's revenue. They are game changers for your med spa. So what are you waiting for? Visit repeatmd.com forward slash spa to book a quick product demonstration and guess what? We'll have special pricing for medical spa insider listeners and you'll receive 50% off towards your first purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to repeatMD forward slash aim spa today.
2: cannot get in. And it's especially the patients who have started recently, either in May of 2023 or this month in June of 2023, who are having trouble getting Wegovy Be because there were over 1 million new prescriptions for Wegovy in May of 2023. So over the course of the last six months, it's really flipped. <laughs>
1: That's so, and, and that makes sense because Ozempic is, is for diabetes is FDA approved. Right. Um, then so, okay. So let's, so let's, let's get into kind of your thoughts on, on all of this with respect to, um, compounding. And, and so if that's true, so if, if we is difficult to get and you have a patient who, um, has you know struggles with their weight and clearly needs you know needs assistance. And you believe in your you know professional opinion on the standard of care that this person is 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 a candidate. Um, what do you do and what do other med spas do? How have we gotten into this kind of loop where these these compounding pharmacies, which again I want to reiterate when we just talked about this with with one of our lawyers, Patrick, is that you know. I'm, I'm, we're not suggesting that anything anybody's doing anything illegal or wrong. I mean, the, the the rules are set up as they are. But like, how did we get here? And, and, and what are your thoughts on on, on the, the compounding issue?
2: Sure. So I think again, the FDA opened the door to the compounding of semaglutide by calling it a short supply, sure. and and it truly was. So they initially opened the door. And from well, and it sounds to, like it is
1: maybe for go. And it involved. is
2: okay. sure, and it is, and it, and again, it started months, months ago, okay. um, and it's continued to be an issue. It's, it's looked a little different. It's had its peaks and troughs, but absolutely. So the FDA op- opened the door, and I think in speaking to my colleagues in medical aesthetics. There are two reasons that they choose compounding pharmacies as opposed to prescribing the FDA-regulated medication. And they are really that there's a profit in working with the compounding pharmacy for the med spa. When I prescribe an FDA-regulated medication, there is no profit for me in that. That profit is between the pharmaceutical company and the pharmacy. But when you work with a compounding pharmacy, you're essentially, in general, ordering wholesale and yeah. then passing on a retail price to your patient and then profiting a little in the meantime. And that's what we do for all of our services. So that just makes semaglutide one of those services when it's done that way. So it allows them to make a profit. So that's one reason. And it's a valid reason. And the other reason, which is also really valid, is that clinicians and med spas don't want to work with insurance. And I understand that because it's challenging, it's time consuming, it's frustrating. And when you don't use a medication that's FDA regulated, you don't have to work with insurance. It's actually not possible to work with the compounding pharmacy via insurance. And so that really takes that middleman out of the way. So I sympathize with why they're doing it. But I think that it's safer. Mm -hmm. And the only data that we have is on these FDA regulated medications. So I think it's safer to go the FDA regulated route. And so I don't worry about the profit from the medication and I just take as part of my service to the patient that in that instance I'm going to have some insurance company conversations.
1: Okay, and, and you know what? I've actually that's interesting that you see that because I've never explored that angle of it. Because um, what does that have to? And this is just my own for my own edification, really. What does that have to do with the availability of it? Because you don't necessarily have to have insurance to purchase the drug, right? I mean, you can get. I, I think, like any of our aesthetic treatments um, that are prescription-based, or are mm-hmm. um, you know, you're you're kind of dealing with with the fact that you don't have insurance. Um, if, if somebody doesn't want to take insurance or go through the insurance process, does that make it more difficult to get the drugs?
2: So no, not using your insurance or not having insurance does not change the availability or the accessibility, then it's more of a cost issue. So the FDA regulated medications, Ozempic and Wegovi, their MSRP is approximately $1,200 per month. Whereas in general, and of course, there's going to be some variation there, but what I'm seeing certainly in the Northeast and we're close to New York, is usually about $400 per month when they're utilizing a compounded semaglutide as opposed to the FDA-regulated medication. So that's a third of the price. And so especially if you're working with a clinician and you're in a program and that program has a price associated with it, then it really becomes a financial conversation. For the yeah.
1: patient yeah that makes sense so then what i mean so in, in most as you know most med spas or, or aesthetic clinics don't accept insurance insurance is not something mm-hmm. you're like just like you, you you pointed out um are you are you doing insurance for for these for your medical weight loss um programs and that is kind of a it's, it's a scary prospect for a lot of people to think, oh, my God, I got to do insurance. But like, what, talk about that and what the impact has been and how you've been able to navigate that.
2: I do. So the first answer is yes, I do. For my patients, for their blood work and for their prescriptions, I will utilize their insurance. And that looks like oftentimes getting prior authorizations, submitting them online, perhaps some follow-up phone calls, perhaps some appeals. It requires a little bit more back and forth and quite honestly, more time and effort on my end. Mm -hmm. And I also truly think it's worth it and I'm happy to do it. I do understand though, that so many of us, have experienced the challenges of working in insurance-based healthcare, and we've chosen to leave that. And so to willingly enter back into it (laughs) is not done easily, um, and it's not done without significant thought. But I think that it really offers patients the benefit. And so for those two reasons, blood work and pharmacy, I do it.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people – a lot of the doctors I've talked to, that is one of, not the only, but one of the driving forces behind them leaving ER medicine or wherever they're doing to get into aesthetics because they don't want to deal with insurance. Um, Absolutely. And this allows you, though, to to provide a, a more cost-effective way. And then are you... Is, is, talk about as much as you, you can and you're willing, like, what your program looks like and, 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 and how that works, because with, with the insurance aspect to it, number one, it does make it more complex and a little more work intensive, at least, you know, at first, Obviously, you get the hang of it after a while, but still, there's, there's more to deal with. Um, does it, are you still able, as much as you're comfortable to, to, to make a, you know, a profit off of these, 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 these programs? And, and, cause that's really, you know, there is a lot of that that goes into the decision-making because people sure. need to stay in business.
2: Absolutely. And it's a valid concern, right? Because we have our clinician hat on. Also, we've got our, business owner head on. So we have to think about both all the time and, but we have to let the care of our patients prevail. And so right now in June of 2023, what our program looks like is for a six month commitment. It's a $3,000 program all in. And in that six months, that is a monthly visit with me. And in between it's support in a secure coaching app. Mm-hmm. so that we are not just catching up month to month but that I am more in touch with them on a daily basis to see how they're feeling it also gives them opportunity to log things like their hydration their meals their physical activity and even do some meal planning too mm-hmm. so it's much more robust in that support in that way over the course of six months so it is cost effective for me um, it is, Uh, an investment for the patients, which I think is important so that they have some buy-in for this major transformation that they're embarking on. And it just leaves out some profit from the medication, whereas other med spas, their programs incorporate that medication as part of their profit.
1: So you're so you're still running the medication part and the lab work part through insurance but the, but they're still paying that that other um and again I don't mean to get too too much into your into your uh business here but you're still um they're still paying that 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 upfront cost So they have some skin in the game and they've got it's just making it a little more affordable because that part's run through insurance is, is, that, is that fair?
2: Correct, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. I mean, I think that's that's certainly um you know, it makes it, 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 it it makes it kind of well-rounded in terms of what they can expect and what you can expect. It makes things more, um, it, it makes things maybe a little easier for you as far as, as, as far as also having to, you know, deal with kind of some of the cost issues too, because I think, you know, that is something that people think about. Um, have you, um, had any, have you had any, um, difficulty with acquiring the medications or has that been, been pretty, um, has there ever been a time where you're like, man, maybe I should do a compound because like, I can't do that?
2: <laughs> so I have to say, even there have been challenges and I can share a little bit about what that's looked like recently. But even with the challenges, I am very strongly against using compounded pharmacies. And the biggest reason is that all of the data that we have that makes these medications really powerful is only applicable to the FDA-regulated medications. When they're in the hands of compounding pharmacies, those formulations are always slightly different. Whatever additives are there are always slightly different. We have to absolutely make sure at the very least that we have the United States Pharmacopoeia giving them their seal of approval because not all compounding pharmacies have that. So just so many additional layers of assuring that our patients have the safety and efficacy, that for me, the pain of going through the pharmacy and insurance is still worth it. But right now it is challenging to get ligobi, and it's challenging really for those starting doses because month one of treatment is one dose and then month two is another dose. And because of the huge surge of May of 2023, those starting doses are absolutely in short supply. So as soon as they come in, from the wholesaler to the local neighborhood pharmacies, they're already spoken for. So we have to move quickly. (laughs) We have to work hand in hand, honestly, with our pharma reps. And I have no financial relationship with them, but I stay in close contact with them so that my patients can get their medication. And there have been some frustrating times that quite honestly takes a little bit of my time in those starting doses. And it's when we get into treatment months three, four, five, where it's simpler because that surge hasn't quite hit there.
1: Yeah, that there's I mean, that's so interesting and probably um, frustrating for you in, in some ways when you see a lot of these folks going out and using compounding pharmacies. And again, you know, everyone can make their own decisions as long as they're being compliant. Again, we, we want to. Sure. But that's tough because you're, you know, you, you have obviously strong feelings and opinions about it, which is, which is, which is great. And to not be able to kind of execute on your plan because of that and then see others be able to do it, um, you know, through, you know, through lawful, you know, loopholes for lack of a better word. It's just, it's, sure. it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that's been created. Now, what I will say though is, um, at some point, it's not going to be on the drug shortages list anymore and Correct. that's going to even the playing field and and i would like to think that that's going to you know kind of even everything out um is that is that kind of an accurate um statement absolutely right yeah
2: absolutely and and i i think that time is likely going to be the fall <laughs> because a number of things are going to happen likely an additional medication is going to get fda clearance for weight loss. About
0: that,
2: yeah. and, it, and it's going to have given the company that produces Ozempic and Magovi, it's going to have given them time to produce because that's really what the challenge has been that they quite literally cannot produce the medication as quickly as it's being utilized. And so I think both of those things are really absolutely going to even the playing field.
1: Yeah, so i have um two questions and I, it's already been almost 50 minutes that we've been talking so it's that's amazing we could, we could talk about this i'm sure uh, but two mm-hmm. um questions w- one i want to get to before i forget um is the um what are you seeing as far as um kind of what's coming right you mentioned there mm-hmm. are drugs in the pipeline i've i've there was just a headline today where it was you know such and such is, you know, going to open the playing field even more. Something like that about a new a new drug that was coming. What's like? What's the future of all this?
2: Yeah, it's it's incredibly exciting, and so I'm excited to be a part of it because we really, even though this class of medications has been on the market since 2005, because the attention from Ozempic really just started after its initial five years on the market. We're really right now in the throes of it and there's so much still ahead. So one of those is Monjaro, which is essentially semaglutide plus. (laughs) It has another hormone mimicker in addition to it. And so it makes it that much more effective. So where patients lose on average 15% 15% with, of their weight with Ozempic and Wegovi. With Manjaro, it's 20 plus percent is what the average patient loses. And so when it, when it comes down to pounds, that looks like from 35 pounds to 52 pounds, which is a, a massive weight loss. So that is likely going to gain an FDA indication for weight loss in the fall whereas right now it only has an FDA indication for diabetes. And then we've got some other medications that are out there who have not quite hit the market, but likely will. So Manjaro's got two hormone mimickers. There's one that has three. And all of those medications are still weekly injectables. Mm -hmm. But so even beyond that, we're looking for to medications that are going to be oral. So only by mouth. Which will open up the playing field even more, because as accessible as these medications are, there still is real needle phobia.
1: For sure, um, and and then uh, you know the ones that are mimicking two or three, like wh- wh- what additional impact is that going to have? I mean, you mentioned you know, the brain-stomach connection uh, and the, all of that. What what what, what else is there? <laughs>
2: What else is there is a great question. So they're really kind of doubling and tripling down on what and how we know that semaglutide is effective. So it's really, again, at this point, I can't really speak to the one that has the three. Sure hormone mimickers to it. But for Manjaro, it's really those same three mechanisms, but amplified. So again, that brain gut connection, that it takes away the food chatter and that concept of emotional eating, that it's processing the food for longer is the second one so that you are less hungry, less often, and that your metabolism is more efficient thirdly. So it's really just amplifying all of those at this point. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to weight gain, and then therefore weight loss, it really seems like there, there are so many hormones in the body that contribute, but that that common denominator often tends to be insulin. So -hmm. we just get to choose different routes Mm -hmm. to making insulin more effective. And that's what everyone is working on.
1: Yeah, at some point, I got to come up with a pill that just makes me Jacked, built, you know, with a, or like a Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, nineteen nineties <laughs> pill. Does that exist? Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Not yet, but it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so the 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 other question I had is, is something you mentioned about um, the FDA process, and 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 what you said is absolutely correct. That the um, the, the the name brand. Uh, me and Ozempic have been FDA cleared, kind of in their final forms. Like that's what has been um, FDA cleared. So the 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 kind of deconstructed, reconstructed version that are made in compound pharmacies haven't themselves been FDA cleared, and that and that so leaves the door open for you know for for safety concerns. Uh, again, not illegal, but just that that that's there. Have you seen a difference between? Um, Side effects or complications or like that between the two. Um, and I know you don't, you haven't used the compounding pharmacy, so you're. But but anecdotally there, and then with your use of the the brand names, d- do you find that there's a difference in how they operate?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you're and you're absolutely right. That keyword is anecdotally. So I can just speak to conversations I've had out in the community. And one of the other tricky things that is a legal concern is that some. That's buzz when they're using compounded medications, are still using the brand name in their marketing. So they're still saying we go the or authentic because that's, that is of that pre- is a, that's what people appreciate. That's a real are. issue. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so when I've had conversations out in the community, and someone will say, I was incredibly sick on fill in the blank medication. And this has happened multiple times. And then upon um, further investigation, they did not have the auto-injector, the brand name medication. They had a compounded semaglutide, which they were drawing up themselves from a vial into a syringe and then injecting. And so there are a few things. Again, we don't know what those additives are. And also, we're asking a lot of the average patient to draw medication into a syringe and to get that dose correct, and then to inject it in a way that is not as protected as an auto injector is. And so anecdotally, people are have more GI distress. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel more nauseated. Those episodes of vomiting are absolutely more frequent. And then they likely become, therefore, there are those downstream effects of dehydration, of gallstones, of pancreatitis, all which are possibilities with wigo and ozempic but anecdotally happen much more often with the compounded semaglutides
1: yeah it's interesting because like you mentioned the you know maybe the the profit on the actual drug itself gets realized by the med spot but if you're doing if there's more follow-up there's more dealing with complications that um that's 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 interesting because i have heard that it is um it is at least for some people kind of a rough first Couple of weeks. Um, is yeah. that is that kind of to be expected anyway, or, or like how, how are your patients reacting using using the, the brand names?
2: Yeah, in general, no, that's not to be expected. Which is why when I was having these conversations over and over again, it really finally sunk in that they were not taking what I was prescribing. And there's always bio individuality. Of course, every single person is different; is going to have a different experience. But in general, especially in that first month. Patients feel quite well. You're starting at a very low dose and it's usually very well tolerated. If there is any nausea, it's usually two days after that initial dose. And it's usually very transient. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that is going on for weeks and really disrupts someone's life. And that is possible and more likely to happen in the months following as the dose escalates. But when I was hearing about patients who are incredibly sick in those first few weeks, then it's most likely from a compounded semaglutide.
1: Yeah. And, and the the folks I've talked to have at least the ones who are responsible, even that are using the compounding um are are much more careful in in the dosing because it does it sounds like it can be it can be kind of a rough go, which is Yeah. No, if that's worth it. Um, it's been, I mean, we've, we've been talking for an hour, what, I mean, I love your kind of final thoughts or anything else that, that you want to touch on anything that you, any advice you have for, for practitioners out there who are thinking about it. And it has been, it truly, this truly has been a boom for, um, a lot of med spas. I've talked to folks who, you know, were getting started. And you know, we're we're struggling for whatever reasons. And this has really kind of jump started and juiced their practice a little bit for lack of a better word. So it's, you know, it's it's and again, it does fit very well into what we do as an industry. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, you know, what are your kind of what's your overall advice for folks who are who are considering this?
2: Sure. So I think my final word would be a little bit of a statistic that in 2020 over 50% of the U.S. population was indicated for a weight loss medication. So their BMI fit into the category such that a clinician could prescribe a weight loss medication to them. But yet in 2020, only 2% of the U.S. population was actually taking a weight loss medication. And so there are there's so much opportunity for us to treat patients And so I think it's a great opportunity for the business owner, for the clinician who feels passionately about helping anyone along with the weight loss transformation, because there's absolutely more need. Then there are providers. And so I would just say, if you're thinking about that, now that you know that there's so much opportunity out there for you as a provider, I would just encourage you to do it as responsibly as possible because the future of medical weight loss programs, and quite honestly, the medical aesthetics industry really relies on us and our responsible behavior.
1: Absolutely. For sure. That's that is awesome advice. Um, it's interesting. You sound, you sound a little bit like some of the, the Allergan reps selling Botox, but uh, the possible opportunity and the people who are interested and qualify for it. Um, that is, but I mean, weight is such an issue in this country, right? It's more than all, not just our country, but it's such an issue. So it's, it would be nice for us to be able to as a kind of a, to get our to get a handle on that because it's it's, it's difficult i mean and again if you can work on the the cookie medication and then the ryan gosling medication those two are the ones i'm on the waiting list for so let me know or, or you know, <laughs> pick somebody else it doesn't have to be but whoever <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got it i'm on it
1: i appreciate it um <laughs> Well, um, this was awesome. I thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy um, and I appreciate you coming on. We'll have to get you back. And and, and as this this story continues to develop and and percolate, I think it'll it'll be fun to see more. I would love that, Alex.
0: Thank
2: you. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Brittany Howell board-certified vascular surgeon, and owner of a med spa in Ridgefield, Connecticut. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.